everybody. Welcome to Bible study. It's good to see you tonight. I'm very happy you're here. In the cockles of my heart. Yeah. Not quite the sub-cockles, but definitely the cockles of my heart. I'm happy. Especially Sarah Orr. Hello. Hi. Good to see everybody. going to take a few moments. We're going to pray. And then we will proceed from there. But let's start with prayer. Father, thanks for uh, just your love tonight. I just want to say thanks that uh, you care, you love us, you have our best in your heart and in your mind. I thank you, God, that uh, your love exceeds that which we can even understand, that we can even name. And so, God, tonight I pray for your love to encompass and to fill everything that we do tonight, I pray your word uh, would penetrate into our hearts, our minds. I ask God that we would be open to receive uh, what you want to say, uh, what you want to challenge, what you want to encourage in us, what you have tonight to reveal into our lives. So, God, fill us with love. I pray that you... Take your word and you infuse your word with love tonight. I ask you that we would be able to receive all that you have. Uh, have your way. Be glorified. I pray ears to hear. I pray a heart to receive. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. If you need a Bible, there should be one on the table or an electronic version, possibly. But Isaiah chapter 11, and I need a volunteer. Willing to read verse 3. Excellent. Thank you. The verse uh, that is there is talking about the branch or the rod. I don't know what version your Bible has, but it's talking about Jesus. And in the scripture of Jesus, uh, he talks about how he is going to find delight, and uh, that word there, and we'll start it right there, and then we can move on into the next verse maybe, but uh, the, that word there, as far as delighting, uh, the picture of it is of finding a sweet smell uh, when one draws their breath in. So, in other words, uh, the idea behind it is drawing in a breath and as you're drawing in that breath, you discover a sweet smell. And, and so it, that gives us a little better picture of what's being described here, that 
the branch, the rod, Jesus will delight in his Father. Uh, even as he breathes in, it will be like this, this wonderful, sweet, aromatic smell when he draws his breath in a scent of God. And it goes on to describe uh, who Jesus is and the way that he's going to see things. Uh, can anybody read uh, what comes after that? All right, and so what's important about that is that it describes something about the way that Jesus is going to live, the way he's going to see the world, the way he's going to interact with the world around him, the way that he's going to interact with people, the way that that he will understand what's going on around him. And so you have this, this picture of him drawing in his breath, and he has this sweet, this aromatic, this uh, this scent of the Father, and he delights in that. There is a delight, delighting in that when something just smells really nice and something just smells really good. And so he, he's drawing that in, that breath. And what's produced out of his life, because we exhale after we inhale, what's produced, what's exhaled from his life is what's being described here and that he would be a person that he wouldn't really judge things by the way they look, and he wouldn't really judge things by what people say, but that there would be something more to him, something more to his life, something more to the way that he would go about things, something more to the way that he would place value on things, that he would be someone that would go deeper than just what people say or how they look. He would go deeper than just what would be on the outside. He would go deeper than just what everybody else could see. And I think sometimes when we think about Jesus, we don't really consider that He sees things that other people don't in us. That He knows things about us that other people don't know. And I think sometimes we get so used to living on that surface level, we get so used to living on that superficial level of life, that we forget that there's really more to life than that. There's more to relationship than that. There's, there's more that what God has for us than that. And part of us joining Jesus in, in what's being described here in the life that He's given us to join Him in is that we, when we inhale and when we, we delight in, we take in our Father, we take in the, the Jesus, that the exhale of that needs to look a little bit different than just the everyday things of life and what they produce in us. I think for a, lot, for a lot of Christians, they've lost this idea that life is more than what's on the outside. Relationships are more than what's on the outside. That being satisfied with just presenting a facade and accepting someone else's facade is really not kingdom stuff. That's really not what it's about. That's really not what God's called us to. It's not what He's intended for our lives. And yet, hasn't that become, for a lot of people, what their experience is in Christ? In other words, they've learned to live a certain way. They've learned to look a certain way. They've learned to talk a certain way. And because they've learned how to, to fit in in those kind of superficial ways, then 
That's how they've learned to relate to Jesus and His people. And there's something really wrong with that. There's something really lacking. And it's not really what God has, and it was never what He intended for us. If you've come out of a church background of some kind, you've probably experienced that, though. You've probably experienced this whole idea that I just need to look and act a certain way or dress a certain way or talk about certain things, and if I can do those things, then everything's good. And uh, so a few weeks ago, well, it's over a month now, I, I took a test to get a, a license to talk on the radio. Uh, it's a ham radio license. Now, okay, it's dorky, but that's what I did. I felt like I was supposed to. And so I've had experience talking on the radio. I just I did a lot of um, EMS work, with ambulance, fire, and we talk on the radio all the time. We talk to fire control or whoever, or other rigs or, you know, fire mutual aid or whatever it is. You know, I've had talk on the radio. I've done it uh, probably for 16, 17 years. So I'm not afraid of the radio or anything. I just, I just felt like, yeah, I want to try this out and see. And uh, mainly for idea of emergency communications, things like that. And so I, I've been sitting down with the radio to, is ever since I got the license to try to listen to what people talk about. Because, you know, you don't want to just jump on and start talking about stuff that people don't talk about. Then you're like a big banana head. So I want to say, all right, so what do these people really talk about? Well, they, they talk about stuff that I don't care about. And that's no offense to anybody that does ham radio or anything. It's just it's just not my cup of tea. In other words, you know, they'll, they'll be talking about, like, the weather. I don't like talking about the weather. Uh, they'll be talking about, like, uh, you know, what kind of radio they have. I've got a $30 cheap radio. There's nothing to talk about, all right? What kind of antennas on the radio? I don't even know what the name of the antenna on my radio is. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Or, or they may talk about driving to work and... And and uh, they got to make sure they stop by the grocery store on the way home because the missus, or however they say it, you know, gave them a list before they left the house. And so they need to make sure they remember to stop saying, get some stuff before they head home. I don't care. Right? Is that mean of me? That, that's probably mean of me, right? That I just don't care about that. But I just don't. And, and so I can't get into it. Like, I'm trying. But I can't get into it because I don't know what to talk about. Like, what am I going to talk about? Am I going to talk about what? I don't know. I don't know anything about my radio. I don't know anything about my antenna. I don't know anything about the weather. And I don't have a list from the missus to stop by the grocery store. I can't remember last time I was in a grocery store. So I have no idea what to talk about. Last time I was in a grocery store, I didn't know how to work the thing. You know the thing you put your card and then you have to put the card in to get the discount or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I found the card miraculously, but I didn't know when to put it in. And so I put cards in in the wrong order, and that messes everything up apparently. So I don't know what to do. So I can't even talk about that. I guess I could talk about that, but then I sound stupid, right? So what am I going to talk about? I don't know. But it's a whole culture of people that have these conversations, and they talk about certain things, but... It's nothing that I even relate to or understand. And it's all superficial things. I mean, does, is it fair for me to say those are superficial things? Everybody okay with that? Those are superficial things. And so the, the danger that we have 
as people is when we have a culture about us that accepts, I'm not even going to say promotes, that accepts that kind of superficial conversation, that kind of superficial drivel. Because we've been called to something more than that. And if we're not exercising that which we've been called to, we don't exercise the place that Jesus has provided for us, the place that Jesus has modeled for us, the place that Jesus has prepared and given us access to, if we don't exercise that, then eventually we forget it. If we don't use it, eventually we, we lose touch with it. And, and there's a problem in that. We, that's not how God called us to live. That's who He's called us to be. And so as Isaiah prophetically is describing the branch, that's Jesus. As Isaiah is prophetically describing the rod, that's Jesus. He's describing Him as someone who is inhaling, delighting in God and exhaling this excellence of life. In other words, not accepting just what he sees and not accepting just what people say as being good enough. But there's more. And so we don't want to, at least I don't want to, just accept just what I see or what I hear people saying. Because it wasn't good enough for Jesus. It wasn't what, what the Father had intended for Him. And in turn, it's not what the Father intends for us. And if we're going to inhale and we're going we're to take hold of the fullness of the Father in our life, well, part of the fullness, part of delighting in the Father in our, in our lives is to see beyond that which our eyes can see and to hear beyond just what somebody says but to be a people of spirit and to be a people of soul and to be a people of heart. Because that's who God's called us to be. And to not just live on the just the edges of the outside. You see, we're apt to judge according to appearance. We just are. Because it's easier. It's easier just to, hey, how you doing today? Good. That's good. I'm good. Move on. Right? Because ain't that easier than saying how you're really doing? Well, I've got this, 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 and then you sit there and listen. See, that's harder. It's harder to really take an interest. It's harder to listen to the heart. It's harder to allow someone and to draw out of someone what's really happening, the truth of their lives. It's easier just to, oh, good. Yeah, that is easy. That's easy because we just don't care, right? We just don't have the time. Don't make the time. There's something I do know, and I knew you have known this a long time, that if you're a person who's willing to listen, you're a person that's willing to go a little bit deeper with somebody. Now, I'm not talking about the intimate of intimates, the holy of holies of their lives. I'm just saying, you know, go a little bit deeper. Listen a little bit. Share a little bit. If you're a person willing to do that, people will respond to you and they'll appreciate it. 
They just do. Because people need to talk. People need someone to listen. And, and, and really, we've been prepared for that. We've been called to that. We, we've been empowered to do that. And it's not the easiest thing. It just is what it is. It's not the easy convention that we've invented as a culture because we just don't give a crap about anybody. It's not. But it's made for a people that will actually allow their heart to be open, even a crack, to care a little bit. And, and, and I'm not even saying we're going as far as Jesus who loves us with a whole heart. But if we're going to enjoy God, the Father, I mean really enjoy Him in our lives, this has to be a part of it. You know, people, say, people talk to me, it's like, oh, I just feel so dry in my relationship with God. Yeah, well, yeah, we need some roots. Because sometimes it don't rain for a few days and there's no water on the surface. We need some roots to draw from something a little deeper than just the surface stuff that we're just putting up with every day. And so if we're going to really know the Father, we're going to enjoy Him, we're going to enjoy that aroma and that, that and His breath, breathing that in, delighting in that, being able to breathe out a love and a care, being able to breathe out something deeper than what you see and what you hear somebody saying, it's going to require a different view of our day, our hour, our minute, and our lives together. It's going to require it. Let me look at John uh, chapter 7, verse 24. John seven Yeah. Now, what do you get about that verse? Gives you a, gives you a command. Stop judging by mere appearances. You get that part? Alright, alright. Now, I know that's not clear, right? Or is that clear? That's pretty clear, right? Direct statement. I mean, you can still weasel out of it if you really try hard. We're good at that. That's a pretty direct statement. The second part of that verse is a little telling, though. It says, stop judging by mere appearances. Instead, what are you supposed to do? Huh? Judge correctly. So what does that mean by judging by mere appearances? Is that correct or incorrect? Incorrect. That's right. It is not correct. And so we have a directive. We have a command we have a statement that we're to stop doing things the way that we're doing them. And we either listen to that or we don't. I prefer to frame it in that sense of delighting in God. I prefer to frame it in that sense of, of having that breath of God in us and of exhaling that and what that actually looks like in our lives. That's what I prefer to see it as. 
I prefer to see it as that taking us to a prophetic, a deeper place with people than just being satisfied with what's on the outside. And it seems like if that's the work that's going on, if that's the work that's going on in us, if that's the, the work that's happening in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, then that's the outcome, is that we are going deeper. That's the outcome, is that we are finding that deeper place with the people around us, the people we come in contact with, the people that we spend time with. And I think there's a reality to it that that we can go deeper with anybody all right, as far as getting beyond the surface. But I, I really want to challenge you that there's some eternal relationships that are all around us like right now that we need to go a little bit deeper with. We just do. Beyond even that which we provide for the people that we run into during the day where we even take two minutes to listen to what's going on in their lives, there are people around us that we need to go deeper with into one another's lives. I mean, truthfully. Because Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is going to look into the heart. Someone look at Philippians 4.18. There's something there I want to touch on before I move on. Philippians 4.18. Read it again. What, what's the what's the verse you're reading? Um, Philippians four eighteen. Okay, read it again. I have received full payment and more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. All right. Are, oh, I you, you hear that statement, they are a fragrant offering. It's the same idea as what you're reading in Isaiah 11. Okay, so this is common biblical understanding. This is common uh, to the region, common to the people, understanding the fragrance of the offering. In other words, breathing that in and delighting in it. And Paul is telling, telling him, well, I'm delighting in this. That's why I uses that phrase there. So, Jesus is going to look into the heart. And how do we know that? Because that's what he did during his earthly ministry. He looked into the heart. That he wasn't satisfied with just what was on the outside. Because if he was satisfied with what's on the outside, who were the holiest people he met during his earthly ministry? The Pharisees. Right. If that was, if that's where he was going to stop, was what was on the outside, the holiest people that he met during his earthly ministry were the Pharisees. And yet we know he didn't really like them. We know that. And, and so John the Baptist didn't really like them either. John the Baptist operated on a different level than the people around him. Jesus was operating on a different level than the people around him. 
And so he didn't just take what he saw, he didn't just take what he heard, but he looked into people. What do I mean by that? Somebody look at John 2.25. I mean, literally, he looked into people. John 2.25. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Yeah. So, in other words, he could see what was in how many, which people? Each person. And we know that. And as part of his ministry, part of who he was, part of who we are given opportunity to be. Us. Me and you. To move beyond just what's on the outside. To move beyond just what's on the, 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 the very, the very, end of the stick or whatever it is that, that we can move beyond that we can move to something deeper. It doesn't have to be just the surface but there, there's a whole part of perception, a discernment that God gives us. You know, it's no mistake that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you talk about the nine, the, the nine spirituals in 1 Corinthians 12, the spiritual gifts, and you start reading them off, and it's like prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts of healings, it's uh, the word of, of wisdom, the word of knowledge. You know, you start going down the list, gift of faith, gift of miracles. And there's one there, it's uh, the gift of discerning of spirits. And it's kind of an interesting gift because that gift, and some people just say, you know, what they call it, whatever they're going to call it, but the idea behind it is that we need that. And and just like it's part of our arsenal, part of the empowerment of the church, that we have people that move in prophecy. We have people that, that move in the other gifts of the Spirit. We have people that move in gifts of healing. We have people that move in miracles. We have people that move in all these other things. Well, there's those that move in the certain spirits. And I just believe it's an important part of who we are to have a knowledge and understanding and, and to, to move in this idea of this sweet perception, this, this discernment that God wants to give us as we live our lives for Him. And just like the other gifts of the Spirit, just because you may not have the gift of prophecy, but maybe you move in prophecy. You may not have... It's like people, it talks about in Mark, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You may not have the gift of, of, uh, gifts of healings, but it doesn't mean you're not gonna heal. Maybe you don't have the gift of tongues or interpretation of tongues, that doesn't mean you don't speak in tongues. And, and you may not have the specific gift of discerning of spirits, that doesn't mean you don't have any discernment, because you do. And God has for us to move in that. And so why do you look into somebody? Why does Jesus want to look into somebody? What do they want to see? It's not their liver. It's, it's what's going on in their heart. It's what's going on in their spirit and their soul. And that, that's really what God's called us to be as people that are people of soul, people of heart, people of spirit. And so one thing that, that I think God's really interested in, that Jesus is really interested in, that we should be really interested in, is the idea of motivation. Why? Why do people do stuff? Because motivation matters. It matters why people do stuff. 
because it affects things later. And it's okay to, to, to have some insight as to why someone's doing something. Because I've had times where people are doing the right thing, lots of times people are doing the right thing for the wrong reason. And that goes sideways very easily when people are doing the right thing for the wrong reason. That gets misinterpreted easily. That gets misunderstood when people do the right things for the wrong reasons. Motivation matters. Because outward appearance doesn't tell the whole story. You see, that's what we do. We look at the outward appearance. Oh, look, they're such a nice person because they're doing X, Y, or Z. Maybe they're not such a nice person. Maybe they have other, other motives for what they're doing. And it matters what those motives are. Not every person that's ever offered to help me had my best interest in mind. This didn't. There's been airports that I've landed at in developing nations where very seemingly nice people will come and offer to carry my luggage for me. And if I let go of my luggage, they will carry it far away from me, and I'll never see it again. Because their motives are impure. They're looking to steal my luggage, not to help me get my luggage to the car. Motives matter. The action looks the same. The action looks the same. Somebody trying to help me get my luggage to the car. Can they help me? Oh, can I help you carry that? Sure. It looks exactly the same. Up until the point they run off with it. Motives matter. You see, we have a hard time discerning motivation on our own. We just do. And that's why it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That's why it's that work of Jesus in us. That's why it's the inhaling of the sweet fragrance of the Father that is exhaled through us that gives us that kind of an insight. Because naturally we may not have that. Naturally we may not be very good at, at telling the difference between one action and another. Because they look the same. And yet the motives can be so very different. And that's why we need to be a people of spirit. We need to be a people of soul. So that we're not taken by surprise every time somebody's motives are less than honorable. So we're not caught off guard every time somebody uh, does something that is hurtful because their motives were impure. And more importantly than what I just said, so that we don't just withdraw and protect ourselves so we never get hurt again. Because that's human nature that once you get taken advantage of a few times, you just don't want anything to do with it. And that's not really where God wants us to be either. And I want you to think about being a person of insight. I want you to think about being a person that looks inside instead of just on the outside how that could free you to care again. How that could free you up to love somebody again. How that could free you up to trust again. I mean, as humans, we naturally kind of, we want to trust people, we want to believe people, right? And then people hurt us enough times, then we're like, well, I don't trust anybody, I'm not going to believe anybody. Well, that's a terrible place to live too. And so God's answer to that is more of God. 
more of His fragrance, more of who He is, more of His Spirit, and let Him begin to give us that kind of an insight so we can see things for as they are. You see, Jesus can search the heart. You know, I'll give you a couple of examples of that. Uh, Matthew 9, 4. Matthew 9, 4. Yeah, so you get this example here in Matthew 9, 4. Jesus says, Jesus knew their thoughts, so why are you entertaining evil in your heart? Why? And it wasn't necessarily what they were saying. It wasn't necessarily the question that they were asking. He just knew. He could see it. He had that discernment. He had that understanding. He had that insight. And that's what I'm talking about. And I'm giving you these examples of Jesus because, because we have every expectation that Jesus said, you've seen the things I've done, you'll do even greater. We have that expectation. That the same Holy Spirit that indwelled Him, that empowered Him, indwells us and empowers us. He saw to that. But if you have no expectation of living that way, you have no expectation of being able to see these things, of understanding these things, of looking deeper into people, then you probably never will. And what I'm trying to do is help to build an expectation for you that you can begin to see and begin to expect to see more into the life of someone than you can from the outside. Not because you're an awesome person, but because God has empowered you to do it. He's poured out His Spirit. He's breathed into you to do it. So we look at John 7.24. Stop judging by mere appearances. Yeah, we read that one before. And what I want you to really take hold of this is that Jesus wants... There's two sides to this coin. I mean, Jesus can see, oh, that His motives are impure. Well, what about when people's motives are pure? You know, and and, and you get that through the Scriptures. You get the this idea of, okay, well, this person, they're not on the up and up. All right, well, I know that. Does that mean I hate them? No. No. doesn't mean that at all. It might mean I love them even more. Because they need that kind of love. It's like when you, someone's talking to you, and, and I don't know if you've experienced this or not. It happens all the time, though. When someone's talking to me, and I know they're lying to me. There's something in me that and I can't even describe the feeling it is, that I know they're lying to me, and it's almost like there's a, a love that is released through that. Like You can call it, well, maybe you just feel sorry for them. Sort of. Sort of. But it's more than that. It's more than just feeling sorry for them. 
that there's a compassion that flows out of that and into the, those type of conversations that happen. Because I played the other side of it where I knew they were lying. People were lying to me and I just confronted immediately. And that just led to embarrassment, anger, bitterness. Nowhere good. And, and I'd rather approach things from the, the perspective of, I know you're lying. You know I know you're lying. Can we move on? Can we just move on? And and not in the way like I'm angry about you lying to me. It's more in the way of let's dispense of the BS and get to something that matters. So Jesus can search the heart. And he gives us that power to know, to sense, to see it, to understand it, to do something correctly, is what that verse says. And I have a feeling, and you can argue with me if you want, but I have a feeling that he wouldn't tell us to do something correctly that we couldn't do. Right? He's telling us, do it correctly. Just do it correctly. And He empowers us to do it correctly. And so we can. And so the real question of this, and it's not a doubt in my mind about this, the real question is, oh, well, can I do this? Well, yeah, you can. You've been empowered to. It's expected that you you have this kind of insight. It's expected that you live deeper than skin level. It's expected that you go deeper into the lives of people around you. It's expected that you have insight it's expected. It's just a part of being in relationship with the Father. It's just a part in delighting in Him. It's just a part of having His Holy Spirit indwelling us and being a part of our lives and, and living in us and through us. It's just a part of it, all that. And so motives are a part of the thing that we look at inwardly in people. And they matter. Truth matters too. I was just talking a little bit about truth. It matters probably for a reason, though, that you're not thinking of. You know, we have, some of us have a real sense of justice about us where we want to force the truth out of people. Well, that doesn't really work. It just doesn't work. You can catch somebody dead to rights in a lie, prove it, and it still doesn't work. I mean, you can just tell them flat out. It's like, I got the videotape. I got an audio tape. I got 18 witnesses. We got you. Nope. Silly. Because it is silly. And, and to understand it's not an issue of justice. To understand it's just an issue of, uh, of silliness is to understand it's a point, though, of ministry in people's lives. Truth. The Bible talks about uh, how God, it says there's no condemnation in Jesus. None. Now that's a strong statement. There is no condemnation in Jesus. That's what we benefit from. No condemnation. And so we're called into a place of no condemnation. 
if we're going to really live it, we're going to really live in it, and we're really going to experience it in our lives, and we're going to have to just we're going to have to dish it out too. And so, part of that that whole thing, Jesus is able to penetrate the mind. He can get into our mind, all right, he, and he gives us that power, that discernment, that understanding, that insight, whatever you want to call it. But it's by a prophetic spirit. You have a prophetic spirit in you. So he does that, he did that by that prophetic spirit, so that he was able to divide truth from error or hypocritical things. And that's really why he was doing it. He wasn't out to prove somebody wrong, but he was out to understand what was happening, the truth of the matter. And so, here we give you, I'm going to give you a, a this and that, on the, an example of this. John 147. John, Gospel of John 147. That's the this. John 147. Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching and said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Alright, so Nathaniel, he doesn't know Nathaniel. He does not know Nathaniel. Never met Nathaniel. Okay? But as Nathaniel is walking toward him, he looks at him, and in him, is no deceit. Or some of your Bible says guile. Here is an Israelite in whom, in whom, not on whom, not in his clothing, not in what he was saying. I didn't even heard him talk yet. But in whom is no guile. So there's the, this. Jesus looked at it and said, there's a good guy right there. Not because how he looked or what he sounded like, because what was in him. He had the insight, that prophetic insight to see it. So that's the this. What about the that? I'm going to give you a this and a that. Here's the that. Matthew. Matthew trying to prove them right or wrong. Do you understand this is not an issue of justice? There's no condemnation in Jesus. This isn't an issue of justice. It's an issue of intent. It's an issue of motivation. It's an issue of what's driving someone. Because it's at the point of understanding what drives someone, that's the point of ministry. That's the point of change. It's the point of life. It's the point of forgiveness. That's the point of mercy. That's the point of grace. It's the point of hope. That is what this is used for. Now, I know this may seem weird. I don't know. And the reason I'm using a lot of New Testament and a lot of examples from Jesus 
is I want to be clear that this isn't something that's weird or unheard of. Alright, that's what I want to be clear about. And I could take this a little further. We could start looking at the apostles. And we could start looking at the book of Acts. And we could start looking at when they did things like this. When they saw things like this. When they called out issues and motivations like this in order for change to happen. You know, the first, one of the first examples you get in the book of Acts, a lovely couple sold a piece of land. I don't know if you know what I mean. And they're going to donate the money to the church. And you know what? That was an honorable act to do that. In fact, they could have sold that land for as much money as they wanted and they could have given any amount they wanted to to the church. Nobody cared. Because that's not the point. And that was never the point. Ananias and Sapphira, they they could have sold that land for $1,000 and given a dollar to the church. Nobody cared. In fact, they could have sold that land for $1,000 given zero to the church. Nobody cared. That wasn't the issue. It was never the issue. The problem with Ananias and Sapphira wasn't the land selling and the money given. It was what was in their heart. It's what was in them. It was the motive. It was the truth of the matter. That's what mattered. And and you see it being handled. I mean, Peter had insight. I mean, understanding that, and, and later on in the book of Acts, you see the, the apostles as they traveled, and, and somebody's, oh, you know, how do I do this? Well, they could see some evil intent into that guy's heart, and you go on and on. But you see him moving in this. It was a full expectation that the people of Jesus would do the things of Jesus. That's the full expectation. You're filled with the Spirit of God, you do the things of Jesus. You got a prophecy, a spirit of prophecy in you, well, that prophetic spirit flows through, you do the things of Jesus. But part of the issue with all of this is that I think most of us have zero expectation of flowing in this. And and in worse than, and that's giving you the benefit of the doubt, even worse than that, you don't want to take the time to do it. All I can encourage you to is that this is a part of enjoying and delighting in our Father, of who He's called us to be. To actually share in the lives of the people around us. And, and again, that's different depths. you got people you, you work with, you might share at a certain level. you got people you're friends with, you might share at a certain level. People in your family that you might share at a certain level. People that are part of eternal relationships around you that you share at a different level. Yeah, right? But at any level that we're sharing with people is this idea that we need to look into them and not just at them. We need to look into the heart, into the spirit, into the soul, and be a people of depth. Not to judge anybody, not to condemn anybody, but to really know them, to really minister, to really love them. Because that's the purpose. 
Now, I hear people say, well, if Jesus saw what was really inside of me, he'd be, you know, he wouldn't even like me. Well, he already sees what's inside of you and loves you. Because he doesn't look inside of you to, to, to be mean to you. He doesn't look inside of you to make you feel bad. He doesn't look inside of you to, to, to bring that kind of judgment on you. It's not, or to condemn you. That's not what he's doing. He looks in you so he can love you even more. That he can understand you better than, than, than maybe sometimes you even understand yourself. And if you look at this in those terms, it's like, man, I, I'm looking into this person so I can love him even more. I'm looking in this first so I can understand them even more. I can minister to them even more effectively with a higher quality of ministry than what I can do just trying to scrape away at the outside. So who's the kingdom? Who? Anybody? Are we the kingdom? Yeah. And so he, he's going to look for these qualities in us. We're the kingdom. We're his reps. We're his ambassadors. We're the called ones. We're the disciples. We're the sent ones. And as I said before, that, that idea of the rod or the shoot, the branch... It, it's uh, that represents in the book of Isaiah that represents the the Messiah. It's a tender product that's easily broken off, and that's how they want us to understand Jesus. That's who the Messiah is. That that he he came in a tender way. I know you want to make him tough and mean, but he's not. He he's he's the the branch. He's the shoot. He's easily broken off. And you know that. You know how you know that? It's how easily you ignore him. Yeah. He's not ruling with an iron rod in your life. And he never has. And he won't. His kingdom was never of this world. Never. And so it doesn't look like this world and it doesn't really sound like this world and it doesn't act like this world and it's not really this world. But it's distinguishable by people that are in this world because they can see a difference. Because this kingdom is a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of quiet, and he protects the meek. That's his kingdom. The kingdom of kindness. And so I want to encourage you tonight that we've been given the tools to be kind. We've been given the tools to care about people. We've been given the tools to go deeper. We've been given the tools to have a, a more meaningful relationship with the people around us. We've been given the tools to be able to speak into people's lives, to love them more, to care about them more to influence, to minister to, to love. We've given the tools. And now it's just uh, having a question in our hearts and our minds of are we willing to give what it takes to do it?
If it's two minutes to listen, it's two minutes to listen. If it's an hour to pray and speak into someone's life, then it's an hour. But in the face of eternity, those two minutes or that hour really don't mean a lot. And as I was saying yesterday, there has to come a point, I believe, in our lives where we become a people of eternity. And that we become less attached to the things around us that seem so, so important and more attached to God and what He has for us. More attached to the kingdom. That's the only way I know to be effective. It's the only way I know to live in such a way that we make a difference in people's lives. It's the only way I know how to do it. I'm going to take a few moments and we're going to pray. And I want to encourage you to just consider where you're at. And I don't mean like where you want to be. Just where you're at in reality. And maybe you're just kind of a selfish, self-centered person. Alright. Start with the truth. And let's go from there. Maybe you just don't care about people. Start with the truth, and let's go from there. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, you love us. Not because we say so, but because you said so. You love us. And not because you just said so, but you demonstrated your love for us. In tangible ways. That we can look at and we can see. We can receive of it. We have life because of it. We have peace and forgiveness and joy because of how you demonstrated your love for us. And so we say thanks for that. I pray that we be a people of love for those that are around us. And I ask that you would fill our hearts with love, fill our minds with love. And I pray, God, that we be a people of love. I ask you that we be a people that care, a people that listen, a people that take a few moments, a people that are less attached to the urgency of whatever's happening around us and more attached to the work, the eternal work of your kingdom. Because God, I pray that you would make us a people of depth in one another's lives, a people of soul, and a people of spirit. We go deeper than the surface, deeper than what's just being told us but I pray, God, even as you've already equipped us to do this, we begin to look inside to see motive and truth because really they matter. And I pray, God, that our ministry would be a ministry of truth, would be effective because we go to the root and we go to the place that matters. 
So, Lord, I, I just want to say thanks for, again, loving us. I pray, God, that you would set us loose to love the people around us. Phyllis, I pray a sweet aroma of our Father that we might delight in Him. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. I pray some good decisions are made tonight. Something real. And, and I pray, God, lives would change starting tonight. Because I really believe you're a God that can do that. I'll give you thanks and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm-hmm. know. He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community, like the comunidad. Yeah, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. You're home, yeah.